Anyway, that's <laughs> That's what Fox does is she climbs El Capitan. <laughs> my friends are english majors the podcast where i a business major make my friends almost all english majors read popular fiction with me no english major this month no theme really we're reading a series which we're working out how to do well um this month we're reading the graceling series by Kristen kishore we read the third one in the series called bitter blue which is if you guessed it about <laughs> the princess from the first book named bitter blue and I have my friend Bailey on. Hey, gang. If you'll recall, my degree is in anthropology. <laughs> I feel like we should just get right into it. I feel like there's lots to discuss. There is lots to discuss. And also, um, this book is so long. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not that long. It's like almost 600 pages. <laughs> yeah, but like... Oh, again, the print is not that small. I guess. I, and again, in your defense, I have read this book. This is, I think, the third time that I've read Bitter Blue. I've read Fire and Graceling, like, not a, not a small number of times more. Like, I have read them lots more because I love them and they go so fast. And Bitter Blue, God love her, is a little bit of a slog. Tucker really texted me at like 2 p.m. one day and was like, I'm starting Bitter Blue. And then she texted me again at like 6 p.m. and was like, I finished Bitter Blue. And I was like, what the fuck is this now? Now, I think it was like 8.30 when I finished it. Yeah, yeah. But you must remember this was also while I was unemployed. So, so I literally went to get my oil changed, read Bitter Blue, got my oil changed, came home, sat on the couch, and just, like, read this book for, like, six hours, and that's all I did. The audiobook is 14 hours long. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that would take a long time. I, the only audiobook that I've listened to for the pod besides, sorry for the pause, we were letting the cat's auto feeder go off. She said it's four one-eighths of a cup. I think it might be one-tenths of a cup. I'm gonna I don't let know. the listeners do the math on that one. Is that <laughs> half a cup? <laughs> um, any whomst, the only book that I have listened to for the pod was Hamnet, Rip doing Maggie O'Farrell month, and... I did listen to that on 1.75 speed. I cannot fucking imagine how slow this woman was reading if what I was listening to sounded fairly normal at 1.75. Yeah, I had Bitter Blue at 1.5 because I was like, we gotta get going. I forgot that we were recording today. (laughs) But I did finish it. You you did, that's true. Was it at my workplace today that I finished listening to it? Yes. Who gives a fuck? Okay, do we want to read the back of the book and then give literally the barest, basest summary we possibly can? We will try. Okay, when Queen Bitterblue took the throne of Monsee as a child, her advisors ran the kingdom for her. Now she's beginning to question their decisions. Needing to know Monsee's past in order to lead it into the future, Bitterblue begins exploring the city at night, disguised and alone. As she does, she learns about the legacy of her father, Lech, Oh no, I'm yawning. (laughs) Who ruled through his grace, a talent for mind-altering, and a taste for cruelty. 
Soon, Bitterblue meets two thieves who only steal what has already been stolen. She realizes they hold a key to the truth about King Lex's reign. One of them, with a grace he hasn't yet identified, may also hold a key to her heart. Oh my god. Honestly, that's a pretty good description, except for the last part. <laughs> yeah, the the political intrigue is deeply more interesting than her relationship with Saf. Yeah. I think her relationship with Saf is certainly necessary for her to grow up. And mm-hmm. I think we're really seeing her grow up in this book. But, like, mostly I'm like, tell me more about what's going on in the kingdom. Yeah, well, I guess the thing is, she also doesn't know, so she can't <laughs> tell us. Let's see. Let me let me see if I can do a rundown. I want to do this first by telling you the names of the old characters who we see in this book Mm -hmm. from Graceling, and then I want to tell you about the new characters with, like, one sentence for each, and then we'll do a quick overview. So, remainders are Poe, Katza, Giddin, Helda, Ban, Raffin, and Bitterblue. Right? Yes. The new characters are her advisors. The main one who we'll talk about is Thiel. Her two friends that she makes in the city, Saf and Teddy, who are not gay for each other, but Kristen makes that kind of unclear. <laughs> um, The rest of the people we meet are her advisors and then her librarian, Deeth, mm-hmm. spelled death, yeah, and her healer, Madeline. Mm-hmm. And then, towards the end of the book, other characters we knew previously are brought back in, specifically Fire and a contingent from the Dells. Is that it? I think so. There's no horse in this book, and that really upsets me. Oh, so I think that uh, Kristen is doing that every other, because in Winterkeep, there are telepathic blue foxes. Thank God! <laughs> um, oh, and there's also manatees that are called silver cows, and they can commune with people in their minds. They can send you little pictures of the ocean. Lend me this book when I'm <laughs> recording. Okay. Anyway, what happens in this book is we start with Bitter Blue. She is 18-ish. And she has been ruling for nine years. She is buried under mountains of papers by her advisors, and she decides she needs to start going out into the city to learn more about what's going on. She starts thinking that things are really strange. Things that her advisors are telling her aren't matching up with what she's seeing in the city. She decides she needs to stop spending time in her office and start doing things like going to the library in her castle and making sure she reads all the books that Lek made her read before his death to figure out if she can learn what he was trying to do from there. She is exploring her castle, trying to figure out if she can find more information that Lek might have left somewhere. She is going into the city and finding out that Saf and Teddy are stealing back items that Lek essentially, like, eminent domained from his people but it's not land he just like took people's shit like a dragon who wanted a horde 
She is also finding out that her advisors are lying to her, and she is beginning to understand that Lex's atrocities went beyond anything that they could possibly understand, both in the way that he treated the people who were close to him and the way that he treated people who he was not close to at all, who he was just using for essentially their bodies. Mm -hmm. We find out as the book goes on that what Lex was trying to do was essentially recreate the Dells. So he had statuary made that was supposed to be like the monsters from the Dells. He would take over the minds of artists and then try to have them make exactly what he was picturing, but the artists would always come through, even through the mind fog. That's cool. Towards the end of the book, the Dellians make it through the mountains, and there's some very sweet stuff with fire. Um, We find out that Bitter Blue has a sister named Hava, who is actually the main character of the fifth book, Sea Sparrow, which I haven't read yet, but I bought at Barnes & Noble and I have to go pick it up. Um, Let's see, what other things do we find out at the end? Oh, I guess we should talk about the big part. Bitter Blue's advisors throughout this whole book, and we find out through her entire reign, have been trying to keep her so buried under paperwork that she doesn't ask any questions about why they decided to do a nationwide blanket pardon for any crimes committed during Lex's reign. This is because we find out Lex's fucked up experience, trigger warning for also rape and torture. And suicide. And suicide. And self-harm. This book is really crazy. <laughs> it's, it's dark. It's yeah. fairly dark. We're actually going to talk quite a bit about how we, I, I personally think Kristen is transitioning out of YA and more into new adult which is not the same as true adult. Um, because there still isn't graphic sex in this, but there are certainly themes. Um, her advisors made a dedicated campaign to hide the fact that in Lex's quote-unquote hospital, which was basically just where he was torturing people because he was a fucked-up psychopath, they were originally very gifted healers, her four advisors, and she begins to think that they were forced to stitch up the victims so that Lek could torture the victims for longer. But as we get further into the book, it becomes very clear that the advisors were the ones under Lek's grace being forced to do the torture mm -hmm. and the rape. Mm -hmm. and all of these things and we find this out because the advisors have been systematically emptying out lex quote-unquote hospital which is just at this point stacks of bones and throwing it into the river and after um her main advisor Thiel is caught throwing the bones into the river he then throws himself into the river uh, i will talk about that more later because it got me in it it was sad hours for me at my office today. <laughs> it's it's very sad. Yeah. It's very sad because Bitter Blue and something I have in the outline for us to talk about is like a, a major theme of this book is what responsibility do you hold for the sins of your father? Mm -hmm. And she certainly feels as if she holds some form of like a, emotional weight of her advisors to want to care for these traumatized men who her father ruined. I mean, she ru he ruined their minds, he ruined their bodies. One of his advisors, 
should we start on a light note? Should we tell people about all the graces we found out about in this book? Yeah, that is fun. Let's start with fanfiction and graces and then get into <laughs> suicide and rape. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> um, well, do we want to do graces first or do we want to talk about Let's talk about fanfiction. The book is written. So, I mean, you have, before that, the way that the book is written is, it's almost an entirely different book once again. Which I will say, because she is writing these from the point of view of a specific character, I think it's really possible for her to adjust her writing style to the way that that character would act. So I think it makes sense that it feels like you're reading a really different book. Like when you read Harry Potter, it reads the same Mm -hmm. across all seven books because J.K. Rowling is writing in Harry's voice for all of it. But because Gracing is from Katz's point of view, Fire is from Fire's point of view, and then we get into Bitterblue's point of view, I, I think it makes a lot of sense that it feels so different because Bitter Blue is very different than the first two women. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have any power. I also think it is interesting to think about it from, in that way, especially with Graceling, because, I mean, before we get too much into Comp Con, like, the point of view of Kat's eye, it's like Kat's whole thing is she's supposed to be, like, a dumb jock. <laughs> <laughs> so it is, like, more simply written in that way um but i wrote that i kind of got fan fiction vibes from um reading bitter blue mostly because uh the way that christian kishore writes poe and katza in this book is like a little bit unbearable It is Tucker described it as a 14-year-old who's writing, like, their third fan fiction ever and is like, I think this is how the characters would act is and they would love each other, push each other in the swamps. <laughs> yeah, like, when they reunite after being apart for a year, Bitter Blue is, like, talking to Gideon in a garden and Katza, like, tackles Poe into a fountain and they immediately start wrestling, but, like, not really in a sexy way, just, like, I guess in like a joyful way. And Gideon is in this book a ton and him and Bitterblue become very close, but not in a sexy way. And Gideon is kind of like, damn, isn't it brutal being around them? And Bitterblue is kind of like, yeah. Yeah. Like it is. And it is. And I feel like that is not quite how they were in the first book but i guess keep in mind it's been eight years since graceling so um also i was kind of my thoughts on bitter blue as a character i mean to be fair she has much trauma her parents are dead one of her parents was lek so fair but one it's interesting that Kristen chose to wrote to write this book um, eight years after the initial book, um, Graceling, because I'm like, what has Homegirl been doing for the past eight years? She's been willing because she's like, has never been to any part of her castle. She's never been like out in the streets. She's not like talked to many of her, um, 
advisors about really anything except for all of these charter which speaking of the speaking of charters this book is literally 570 pages of me still not knowing what a charter is <laughs> but she i don't know it's it seems really like odd that she's just now trying to learn about these things like for the first time in eight years i mean i guess she was a child up until now but and also I, in my opinion, I think it, we were kind of supposed to read it as somewhere in there there was a, a straw that broke the camel's back. Mm. And one too many charters. One, one too many pieces of paper on her desk. Mm-hmm. One too many times that she said, well, I want to do it this way. And her advisors were basically like, oh, you sweet summer child, you don't understand politicking. Mm. And she was finally like, fine, I'll go talk to my people. Since I don't understand politics, I'll just go talk to them instead. Mm-hmm. And then the advisors were like, wait! <laughs> Actually, don't do that! Actually, don't do that! Yeah, there were also a lot of, like, randomly gay side characters that that was just... I mean, obviously that is so slay to me, but also kind of, like... It feels a little Dumbledore is was actually gay the whole time. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I will talk about that later as I have a list. Um of also, the gays. Of the gays, yes. Okay. I also think that it is amazing that Katza gives Bitter Blue the anti baby pillin, which is German for birth control. Whatever the hell the like oh it's Sea Bane. Sea Bane, of course. Um, gives Bitter Blue Seabane because she's like, you seem like you might have a crush on someone. And the only time Bitter Blue has sex in the book, she doesn't have it on her. Which, I mean, that's just being a woman, maybe. Yeah. I, every time that I think about birth control, I think about how all of the, all of the girls at Truman State University that I was friends with were nighttime pill takers. And when we would go to frisbee parties, like, Throughout the night, girls' <laughs> phone alarms would just be going off, and everyone, and, like, it reached a point where the guys on jujitsu were like, hey, <laughs> y'all gotta go take your pills. <laughs> I would like to say that I am now a morning pill taker. Thank you so much. I have grown. <laughs> wow. I mean, you, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was supposed to take mine at, like, 8.30 p.m., but, like, I wasn't, like, like, we had a roommate who would carry it around with her. Yeah, I would lose it. I could not do that. I would lose it. I yeah. That shit lived on my nightstand. Yes, that shit lived on my stack of books on <laughs> my nightstand in college. Because I was like, oh my god. I, like, I can't keep track of this. I'm so glad I have an IUD. Mm. I don't have to use my brain at all. Uh, we're gonna talk <laughs> about, um... The graces that we learned about generally because I think that they're really fun. And then maybe in CompCon we can talk about what we would want our grace to be. Yes, that is what I was thinking as well. Okay, okay. Uh, one of the most cursed graces I've, there were two extremely cursed graces in this book. I did not know how to, whether or not to warn you about this one. Oh. Should I have? No, it was quite visceral. <laughs> so the grace we are speaking of is there is a man who tries to kidnap Bitter Blue, and part of the way he tries to kidnap her is to freak her out so badly that she freezes. And in doing this, it is because his grace is that he can pull his upper lip 
up oh, over his jaw. His, his like, jaw. Holes, his whole jaw. He can just like disconnect it and pull it like up over his head so it like looks like your whole head is throat or something. Yeah, it's just like one big mouth. It's like very visceral, nasty, disgusting. Um the other grace we learned about that is like deeply fucked up and it's so cruel for someone to have this grace is that um one of her advisors it's not just that he is like not in need of sleep like you know there are people who only need to sleep like two hours a night but they can like sleep more than that he cannot sleep yeah he does not not require sleep so if you'll believe it he's an alcoholic yeah darby um more fun graces that we learned about though (laughs) this one I'm it's I think this is the sickest thing I've ever heard. Sick yeah. in a good way. Not sick like pull your entire jaw over your face sick. Yeah. They have a cook in the kitchens in Bitter Blue's castle that can sniff you and make you exactly what you want to eat in that moment. That is so amazing to me. I need that desperately. <laughs> every second of every day. Yeah. Ab- 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 dietitian Abby Sharp. <gasps> Give her this grace. Give her this grace. Um, the hunger crushing combo. Oh my god, she would be like, everyone is hungry for, um, avocado toast with an egg on it. Yeah, and a little bit of cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, Saf's grace. We find out Saf is the one who doesn't know what his grace is. Which I had never thought about this, but if you can't figure out your grace, people would want to beat the shit out of you because they would think that you were lying. Yeah. They That's would true. think that you were like Lek. But also some of these graces are so obscure. Like, how could you, like, figure out that you can sniff someone and know what they want to eat? It kind of feels like that grace. would just be, like, some, like, well, that's the kind of thing that, like, she probably walked up to her mom one day and was like, you want oatmeal for breakfast? And then they started figuring it out from there. But how is Saf supposed to know that he can say to you, you should dream of something good tonight? And, like, like unless someone is, like, coming back and reporting. Yeah. Like, I had a good dream after. Like, it's really hard to collate the evidence on dreams. Mm-hmm. In comparison to, like, the sniffy food one. Like, you can you can put those pieces together, I think, pretty easily. And also, like, how often when you, like, live on a not pirate ship, but also I kind of feel like it was a pirate ship, um, and, like, tell people that you want them to dream of something. They? Probably that, yeah. Nah, yeah. <laughs> probably, well, he's, bye. <laughs> we'll talk about it. <laughs> um... My only issue is they did not talk about it enough in Better Blue. They did in the book. Like it was so quick. Again, as somebody who is listening to the audiobook most of the time, it was so like kind of quickly gone over that I was like, wait, what is his grace? Like I don't understand. Is it like specific? Like he can say like dream of a purple elephant and someone can do that? Well, or- and he talked about that a little bit when um in the same way that Poe is like Katza, what if your grace is survival? Bitterblue is like, I have a theory about your grace. I think that you give people good dreams. Mm-hmm. And Saf is immediately like, we have to run experiments. And Bitterblue is like, 
We can't run experiments. You're locked in the tower at the top of one of my bridges, and no one knows you're here because you stole my crown, and people are trying to, like, put you in prison. And then he leaves, and I'm like, no, tell me more <laughs> about your grace. So I think I understood it better this time because I've read the book before, so I was seeing all the threads come together mm-hmm. on it. Where, like, Bitterblue, who has very bad dreams because her father was a fucking murderous psychopath, he, Saf one night says, dream of something good, and- Well, he's like, dream of babies or something like that. And Bitterblue dreams of being a baby in her mother's arms. Mm-hmm. And, like, feeling, like, warm and safe. Got it. Okay. Um, but he, when she mentions it to him, is like, oh my god, we have to experiment, and then they don't have time to. Yeah, fuck that. Um, make the book longer! 600 pages! You, you just <laughs> complained so much about the length of the book. Make it longer! <laughs> um, another grace we learn about is also one owned by Bitter Blue's sister, Hava. She can, it is a mind-altering grace, but the way that she, she doesn't go into your mind. She changes your perception of something, but only about herself. So if she doesn't want to be seen, she will, like, transform herself into a gargoyle. (laughs) Yeah, she'll, like, be like, fine, I'll be a statue, but she doesn't have to do anything to disguise herself. That's true. She doesn't actually transform. Or she's like, I am gonna lay on the ground and tell people I'm a tarp. Mm Mm-hmm. You can still trip over her body. Mm Mm-hmm. And, but you'll be like, it's so weird that I'm tripping over a tarp. Yeah. It's so interesting. It is, and she can lose control of it because, um, in Winterkeep, she does lose control of it because she's, she's sad because of, because of what we talked about before the pod. Mm -hmm. We really keep alluding to things. I'm trying not to spoil Winterkeep for people. Yeah. And, well, it happens a few times in Bitterblue. Describe her as flickering in and out. Yeah. And it makes you want to throw up. Yeah. That would make me throw up. For sure. Um, and then the final grace that we learn about, I, w- I want to do a little ode to Deef really quickly. Yeah. So, Bitterblue and him are kind of like bitter enemies at the beginning of the book. She's like, you're my librarian. And he's like, I hate everyone's guts. She has, she is enemies with like literally every single person that lives in the castle except for like Helda. And that is something that I do not understand. But anyway. But she decides to go to the library and start reading every book that her father had her read or that her mother had her read. And she receives, at one point, a handwritten book and she goes and asks Deeth about it. And what you should know about his grace is that he remembers every single thing he's ever read verbatim. So if he has read it, he can rewrite it. So when Lech was on her, his Nazi shit, and book burning, and making sure that he controlled what people could read. He had a bunch of books burned, and Deeth remembered them because he had read them, and he is trying to rewrite them by hand. It's so sick. It is so sick. And Bitter Blue becomes his friend by asking him if it's okay for her to take the books to her friends who have a printing press to have it reprinted. And she also asks if it's okay if she could, like, bring him a scribe. 
Like she, she very clearly, as soon as she finds out what she's doing is like, I need to find ways to support him. Mm-hmm. And once she becomes kind of a fixture in the library, Deep is kind of like, okay, you are another one of my cats that I must like allow to take up space in my life. Mm-hmm. When the, is it the library that burns at one point? At some point, like something catches fire. Someone. And- lights Deep's desk on fire. Okay. And it's because and it's not someone. It's, it's Fox. Feel. Oh, it's the oh Feel. Right. So they find Lex journals and they're written in Delling it Delian. Mm-hmm. And they finally figure out how to translate it. And then Feel gets wind of the journals and knocks Deeth out and lights his desk on fire. Honestly, so fair of feel. I Bailey. What? It is not so fair of feel. It is. He can't let people know about all the bad things he did. He's so beside himself. Yeah. Oh, this I, poor man. It he has he has had some hard knocks. Mm-hmm. But I guess those are the graces. We've done the fun part. Time to talk well, about rape and suicide, I guess. And here's, I guess, one more grace that I think is important to bring up that I need kind of more of an explanation about this character, which we can talk about, is Fox's grace. What we didn't mention is that um Bitter Blue has, like, a maid, I guess? Who is also a spy for her, we are led to believe at the beginning. Her name is Fox, and her... Subtle. Yeah. (laughs) Her grace is that she doesn't fear anything, but also that she can, like, calculate how dangerous a situation will be um, before she does it, to know, like, yeah, I'm not fearful of this, but also, like, is this actually gonna kill me if i do it no then yeah i'll just do it and so she's always like up in high places doing like crazy shit she's really the alex honnold of of graceling ma'am who is that free solo the guy who free soloed el capitan in in yosemite he's the one that got his arm stuck under the rock no and cut it Okay. He's the one who's the sweatiest I have ever been watching a movie was watching Free Solo when he was Free Solo climbing El Cap. It only takes him like three hours, but he is climbing without a harness. Like up, they literally. Is this a documentary? Yes. Whoa. It's on Disney Plus. Okay. And I was dripping in sweat. <laughs> I mean, like my palms have never been sweatier than watching this movie and being like, Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Like he's gonna fall off this rock. Hit the the documentarians filmed themselves talking about how like they had invested a lot of money into filming this. Uh-huh. And making the story and they talked about how They were like, Can't wait to record his imminent death. No, that's really what they talked about was like what were they going to do? What was their decision making? Like in the way that like wildlife photographers do not intervene like what sort of intervention and also like what sort of like like are we ready as a camera crew who do we want on our camera crew to make like life-saving decisions and life-altering decisions and like 
are we all prepared and ready to sign on for like four of us to watch a man plummet to his death? You want the guy that cut his own arm off under that rock that was played by James Franco in that movie. (laughs) (laughs) I won't know the documentary. No spoilies. Also, the way way that he treats his girlfriend is batshit. It is batshit crazy the way that he treats his girlfriend. Like, we, my my dad, my dad watched this movie and he was like, and they got married? And I was like, and, and they got married? What the fuck? Okay. You should watch it. It's really good. Okay. But yeah. Anyway, that's. That's what Fox does is she climbs El Capitan. <laughs> um, yeah, I have many questions about her. So I guess let's get into some world building. Um, I titled this in the outline world building, making me do little kisses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we can categorize some of the world building as, um, us understanding more about Monsi. And Bitter Blue understanding more about her own city. So, things that I think are good additions. The story rooms, which mm-hmm. is where people go to tell stories. However, we don't really find out anything about Old Monsi before Lek, which is kind of surprising. Like, the story rooms tell the story of Lek becoming king. And he tell they, like, tell the story of Lek's death. But they don't tell this, like... Like, I wanted the story rooms to be more, like, this is our culture. I feel like people are still, like, I feel like this is supposed to be early enough in the story, maybe, still, that people are still trying to get rid of the fog that, like, left in their minds. I have thought a lot about this, and I think that's something that I, like, like, if I were writing fan fiction about Bitter Blue, like, in my world building, like, Fire could just, like, go to every Monsian citizen and, like, yank the rest of the fog out. Because in fire, she like pops a little bubble, mm-hmm. and then they come back to themselves, right? Yeah, sick. But in fire, she immediately takes control of their mind to mm-hmm. make them do something. Mm-hmm. So potentially, they do have the same fog, but it just doesn't matter because she took control of their mind. So maybe all their bubbles been popped. And they're still just trying to put their brains back together. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think the story room is great world building. I think that the fact that Bitter Blue is being told one thing about the city being rebuilt, about the amount of education that her citizens have. Like, she's like, we have a 90% reading rate. And then she goes into the city and... She's like, what the fuck? Why is everyone stupid? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, essentially, she's literally like, wait, I don't understand why we're having all these legal problems. People are supposed to be educated. Yeah. Um, we find out that, uh, Lek has built bridges that are supposed to look like the Dell bridges. Mm-hmm. Sick. Pretty sick. Um, one thing that I don't like about the world building is, there is like a really extensive section of this book where Bitterblue is reading Lex journals 
And Leck is, like, saying things like, I really like how the little girls bleed. Trigger warning. Too late. Sorry. <laughs> um, He is talking about, like, saving certain victims for himself. Mm-hmm. He is talking about, like, it is, like... It's it is a lot, and I think to a point, Bitter Blue needed to understand the bad things that happened, but I do wonder if it could have been scaled back, like, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's where it moves into new adult and not just young adult in our minds. Yeah. Oh, another thing that I really liked um, was... This is in the section titled, The Complete Lack of World Building Making Me Do Little Kisses. Sure, sure. Um, there are very good plot twists in this book that we don't really guess until Bitter Blue is also being filled with a sense of dread. Yeah. Which I think is very cool. I guessed one. Which was? Hava being her sister. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But not, like, so far in advance <laughs> that it was. I think it was probably already a little bit alluded to when I was like, oh, my genius mind. <laughs> um, before we get into the advisors, I want to talk about how we start to get a better picture of the control that Lex Grace had with the idea of truth seekers. Mm-hmm. So, or truth tellers. And Truth Tellers is, like, a new idea that's being created by the people who are currently living in Monsi, who are trying, who her advisors are trying to kill, so the truth of what happened during Lex time can't come out. And I think it's really interesting and really cool world building to find out that Lex Grace did not work as well as people originally believed they did. For the average person, it worked really well, but there were families and small groups of people that, like, worked really hard to... Oh, no, I'm yawning again. It's 8.30, it's bedtime. Well, we had a work breakfast at 7.30 this morning. Oh, you had to go. It was free food. Okay, that's right. And it was at an actual restaurant, and it's not like we had, like, toast in the office. (laughs) Anyway, we come to understand that in the same way that in every war there are people who fight against the unjust, we find a way these people were hiding and maintaining information against a corrupt government. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's really cool that we get to see that Lex Grace did not stretch as far as we thought it did, because the only thing we see of Lex Grace from the point of view of someone who does not have the ability to fight mind control is from Katz's point of view. And she's helpless. Yeah. She, like, can't do anything. Yeah. And we are led to believe as readers in Graceling that his grace was so total that, like, there's nothing that you could do. So I think it's really cool to see that, like, everything is not as it appears. In a, in a, like, acceptable way. Mm-hmm. A bitter Blue is so fucking touch-starved in this book. Yeah. And I think that that is good, good world-building. Like, she is so touch-starved that she's like, I wish Helda would come fit one of my dresses for me. I think it's really calming when she, like, 
uses her little pins and yeah. like like touch it like and not in a sexual way but like is really like i wish that she was like pinning my my wrists on my dress uh-huh like i wish that she, like when she gets attacked when bitter blue gets attacked in the street and breaks her arm uh-huh no like again someone give this girl can we give this girl like a dog can we <laughs> can we like can we like I not to be like she needs to be in a relationship so that she can like receive the like physical touch that she needs. But like, okay. but like, no one is hugging her. Yeah, like that's true. And then anytime someone even so much as like pats her on the shoulder, she thinks about it like all day. She's like, I think I could probably make out with them if I wanted to for sure right now. No, like not even in a sexual <laughs> way. Like she's like, Katza is like my cool older cousin, and I like love when she sleeps in my bed with me i love having a a a person near me a body near me Mm -hmm. of someone who like cares for me and makes me feel safe yeah like she's like she really this whole book is like i want my mom oh and not even because she is like desperate specifically for ashen like Mm -hmm. i mean i mean she wants her mom like in vibes yeah yeah and she wants to make out with people she, yeah, she really is, like, an 18-year-old girl who's been, like, locked up in a castle mm-hmm. for the last decade. She's, like, she meets, like, one Graceling with, she, <laughs> this is really where it's very 2014 with the different colored eyes. She sees, like, one sexy-looking man with different colored <laughs> eyes, and, he's, and is, like, oh, my God! No, stop thinking about it. That is the sexiest man I've ever seen. I don't even care that he is so mean to me. <laughs> Damn, that's so tough, but true. Um, do we want to talk about the Delians or do we want to talk about Theo? I want to talk about Theo. Let's talk about Theo. Why are you so attract? Uh, not not attracted. <laughs> why are you so? Why are you so attached to an old white man? Um. Well, first of all, we don't know if he's white, so. Yeah. Bite I, your tongue, madam. I think I think everyone except the lined are like pretty white coated. Leaned. This is why I listen to the audiobook so I get correct pronunciation <laughs> on the podcast. Um. Oh, an aside. Apparently, this book is also just let me give everyone the worst fucking accent you've ever. <laughs> heard let me tell you how katza sounds and i am so sorry to everyone who is like scottish maybe (laughs) katza sounds like this (laughs) the whole book and i'm like is she a 45 year old like scottish waitress (laughs) it's horrible why the and fuck did she do that? Everyone from the Midlands has that accent. And then the Leanid also have, like, a slightly off Scottish accent. What the fuck? It's so weird. I don't know why the narrator of this audiobook was just like, if someone has an accent, it's Scottish. And Graceling was not read by the same person? No. Thank God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Kristen, can we... 
Kristen, can we get some quality control over here? Kristen and I have questions. <laughs> we just we just want you to tell us what the fuck you were thinking approving that. Somebody used the same accent every time. I think that's fine. People don't need to have special accents. Unless it's like specifically written like Hagrid or something. Like the way that his um, words are written and like yeah. the accent that he is speaking. Just make everyone talk the same. That's fine. I'll understand. I'll get it. I can do it. This has nothing to do with Theo. But anyway, Theo did not have an accent. But what he did have was trauma. Yeah. Was so sad. I mean, I think I was so, like, attached to Theo specifically and kind of runny mood as well. His name is pronounced runny mood. So there's two twin advisors, and their names are Runny Mood and Rude. R O O D. Rude and Runny Mood. Um, sorry, not Runny Mood. I I did mean Rude. Like Rude is just like a grandpa, and he's like, I'm the only one that doesn't want to kill myself because um that would make my grandchildren sad. And I was like, damn. But Thiel is just so tortured by the things that Lek made him do which is fair and so are all the other advisors but Theo also had I think the connection to Ashen and Bitterblue more so than Rude and Runny Mood and Darby and Holt and what have you Theo and Ashen were like his favorite victims yeah essentially yeah and so he was going through it, and he really loved Bitter Blue, and he really loved Ashen, and he just wanted the best for them. And he also did not want anyone to know all of the terrible things that he did, which I think is valid. And then he runs to the bridge, and I honestly think, like, there's a scene in the book where Bitter Blue is essentially trying to make Theo not throw himself off of a very tall parapet um off of a bridge and i was like i was texting tucker and i said just let him jump and his misery don't let him live like this anymore like he can't handle it i will say bitter blue does some things that are like kind of unbearable where she will like use the trauma of the advisors against them to get them to stop bothering her yes like if feel is being terrible she'll be like she will literally just be like oh like the way that and she'll bring something up about her father and feel will literally she describes it multiple times as him just going like dead behind the eyes Mm mm-hmm like, she describes it essentially as, she'll say, like, Theo was no longer in the room, so Bitter Blue left. That is why I have a little bit of trouble trouble with Bitter Blue. Like, I understand that people are not, like, telling her the truth, and that is annoying. But also, like, can you consider that perhaps they may be... I mean, she is aware that they're, like extremely traumatized but she just like finds it as like an annoyance she's like oh there goes Theo again now he's like useless for the rest of the day and I'm like he's having a trauma response so I think that it's really interesting that Bitter Blue is 
so brave while she is young, just like quietly stoic and taking everything in. And I, th- I think it's kind of what we talked about earlier. Like it is kind of the straw that broke the camel's back that Bitter Blue finally loses patience with not being able to do what she needs to do for her kingdom. Mm-hmm. Like she kind of is the epitome of like all I have ever wanted was to like right these wrongs and do things the way that is best mm-hmm. and because she is trying to do things the way that she consider considers best like she is so tired of things being in the way i also think that like Kristen is potentially trying to, like, make a point about her youth. Like, Kristen understands trauma. Yeah. Bitter Blue does not. Does not. Right. She mostly understands that, like, there are all of these obstacles in her way. hmm And to her knowledge, to her understanding, what she comes to understand further and further and further into the book is that for some reason... Her advisors are the one putting those blocks in the road. Mm-hmm. And, like, she has the capacity for cruelty, and she doesn't like that about herself. Mm-hmm. But she is, she does not know how to stop, specifically with her advisors. And it turns out they were undermining the entire kingdom. That's because they were sad. <laughs> it is it is kind of shocking to me to me, frankly, that those four did not come out of Lex Fog after his death and like immediately kill themselves. Yeah. It's kind of shocking to me that they lasted this long. They do later. What is it? Darby kills himself in his jail cell. Why was he even in a jail cell? Because Bitterblue found out that they were essentially committing treason against the crown. And she was like, you need to, you understand why I can't trust you guys right now. I need to, I need to put you in jail, in jail while I like figure out this But she didn't vast... put Thiel in jail. Wasn't Thiel dead by the time she put them in jail or that she was still true. trying to find him? So it was just Darby and Rude at that point? Yeah, because Thiel killed Rune, runny mood, runny mood. Yeah, and then himself, himself, and then but oh, and then she said Rude could be on house arrest. Yeah, because Darby kills himself, and then she goes down to Rude, and she's like, "Do you want to kill yourself too?" And he's like, "No, it would make my grandkids too sad." And Bitter Blue is like, "How do you feel about retirement? And you never leave your house again." Well, and he's like, that sounds perfect. She said, I'll put you on house arrest. And but I was like, that's nice. Yeah, what she's really doing is being like, and you are not allowed to do anything anymore. Yeah. And that's fair. Well, she should have just fired them, like, moons ago. I'm so confused. Well, who was supposed to, who was supposed to step up? Like, how was she supposed to... Sign all the charters without that? Well, when things are such a mess. I guess. I don't know. She's she's having a hard time. Yeah, yeah. So So are they. So is Theo. (laughs) Damn, we haven't talked about Saf, like, at all. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about him in the Legged Man section. I don't really give a fuck about him. Okay. (laughs) I, like, I think, I think that it's, like, nice 
that she like gets to have like a young love experience mm-hmm. that he's such a dickhead i kind of like him i he grew on me this time mm. the first time in the same way that i felt when i read fire when i read bitter blue i was like this isn't graceling mm-hmm. now when i read winter keep i was like oh Kristen wrote this slay slay yeah, I think I like Saf enough because um he loves Teddy and I love Teddy. Oh, I love Teddy. And he is kind of a klepto, which is fun. The same. <laughs> so, something that I do really like about Saf is... I think that his grace is kind of perfect for him. Mm-hmm. He is a little bit of a bull in a china shop, but he wants so desperately to do the right thing. Yes. And I think that having the grace of giving people dreams and a good heart, like, really match well together. Because, like, he isn't going to give anybody nightmares. Mm-hmm. Like, he really, like, he, in his heart, like, wants people to have good dreams. I think that Saf is a pretty well-written character, honestly. Like, I think him being a dick is valid on account of the fact that he doesn't have parents and also is trying to, like, right the wrongs of a malicious king and is also upset that Bitter Blue has been lying to him this whole time and in the biggest way because he already like does not trust the Monsian government and then realizes that she is the Monsian government like I think that's fair that he was like fuck you I'm stealing your crown and I'm gonna throw it in a river well he threw it in the river so that yeah the other thieves couldn't get get it back yeah and that's so fair that was when he like he is a good diver because he spent his time on pirate ships. So once they figure out the bones are in the river, the bones, bitter blue and him are like still kind of on the rocks, but he is like working for her now because Poe loves bitter blue. And in the way that all of the lined like are obsessed with the royal family, mm-hmm. like he's like, here's the thing. Fuck you, bitch. But Poe, I'd do anything for you. And if you tell me Bitter Blue, Bitter Blue needs me to do something, I guess I'll do it. But let her know I'm only doing it for you, Poe. Which I honestly think is fair. <laughs> it, he is so petty. Yeah. Which is so funny. I think it's a vibe. It, he really is fun. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, Jesus Christ. Like, Specifically when he steals the crown, I, I guess my issue was, I was like, I wonder if Kristen could have written this where he could have like stolen some like really important piece of like intelligence or like maybe he could have like stolen like a piece of jewelry instead of the crown jewels because I think, oh, I know what it is. I am deeply a romantic, mm. and so I read this book and read Bitter Blue's Heartache and said to myself, well, 
I wish that he had not stolen something that made it literally impossible for them to ever be together. Mm. But then they kind of fix it in the end, right? She makes a, Helder makes a replica crown, and then they find the real one in the river, and then are gonna... I mean, they do fix it. That was confusing to me, that part. They were like, we found the real crown, and we'll give it back, but then we'll still pretend that the the fake crown that we found, we're gonna pretend that it's the real crown, and say that we fished that out of the river, and then give it to who? The oh, black market? Oh, maybe. I don't I know. I don't know. That part was confusing to me. Also, confusing parts to me, who... Is Box working for? What is she doing? Why is she bad? What does she want? Why is she in a cave? I don't understand. Okay, so ghost. Who? Ghost. <laughs> ghost runs the black market. Sure. Their family has been the, like, kingdom's biggest family of thieves since they can remember. Fox is the granddaughter of Ghost. Helda did not ask too many questions about Fox's history when Fox was becoming a spy, specifically because her grace made her so useful both as a lady's maid and as a spy. Then Bitterblue is like, Helda, do you think it's like kind of weird that like I found fox going through my trunk and then she told me it was cleaning it and do you think that it's weird when she is here that and the other and they all kind of like at the same time were like oh that is weird and they started having her followed and then they kept losing her and not being able to find her and then Saf stuck with it and saw her going into what was well known to the thieves as the city uh, to as ghost slayer so what was she stealing? Secrets and little pieces of jewelry. And... That was not clear. Oh. What secrets? Well, I don't know. Anything she could hear. Okay. And well, then... Anyway. <laughs> and then Fox and Ghost go to prison. Um, I also missed that part. Sure. Oh, yeah. No, I remember. Because Fox was like, <laughs> I'm mad at you now. Fox know. was basically like, I am going to be thievery royalty and my family will be royals far longer than you, you little bastard child of maybe not even a Monsian man, basically. Yeah, that's pretty sick. Yeah. But he is Monsian. Do you want to talk about funny parts of this book and then talk about the Delians? Mm-hmm. So, Bitterblue has been not sleeping very much because she's sneaking out into the city all the time to go to story rooms and to be friends with Saf and Teddy. And she accidentally is awake for 48 hours because of a myriad of issues. And this is when things start to really, really, like, stack up. And then at the end of the 48 hours, when she's trying to figure out what's going on, she makes a big, long list of everything she doesn't know. And titles it. And then, like, basically makes a list of her friends and family and then writes crackpots on top. Because she's like, why is everyone acting so whack? 
That is so fucking funny. She was like, why is everyone insane? And then she was like, maybe insane isn't the right word. And she was like, why is everyone, like, strange? And she was like, strange also isn't it? And then she was like, you know what? Everyone's acting like a crackpot, and I don't understand. Like, everyone's been there. You've been awake for 48 hours. You look like that picture of Charlie Day, like, connecting all the red lines (laughs) across the crazy looking map Mm -hmm. except her map is literally like seven sentences and deeth reads it and is like oh this little girl doesn't understand anything (laughs) but he doesn't help her no he's busy he's like well my memory made it so lex grace didn't work on me but i don't know i don't know what's going on girl you better figure that out (laughs) Um, other, I, I know I just hated on Saf for, like, ten minutes, but, like, it is so fucking funny when he steals the crown. Like, him and Bitterblue are having a big argument, and then she, like, kind of, like, humps and goes and sits down, and he's like, can I leave? And she's like, yeah, you can go. And he leaves, and she turns around, and it's, like, comedic. Yeah. She's like, oh my god. I swear my crown was just there. The crown jewels. <laughs> that is funny. Um, the other thing that I think is Poe, Drama King. Well, we didn't mention that Saf gets um tried for murder. But he was framed by her advisors. And he was framed, and this is true. But Because he was too sexy. Yeah, Bitterblue and him were making out at the time of the murder. So Bitterblue goes into court just, like, being like, oh, I'm going to go see what's on the docket today. And she sees Saf on the stand being tried. And Saf is trying to give his alibi. And Bitterblue is about to be like, I have been sneaking into the city and we were making out. And But when she's about to do that, in her head, she is, like, screaming, Poe, 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 I need you to come, I need you to come, I need you to come. Like. And is it, like, throwing images at him of what's going on? And he, like, bursts into the court and is like, Oh, this lineage, my bestie Saf, thank God, we were hanging out last night. Poe? This book, this is the book where Poe comes out to, like, 12 people as being a little bit of a mind reader. And, like, Gideon punches him in the face and then, like, gets over it, and then his brother Sky punches him in the face, and then gets over it, and, like, Katza punches him in the face because she's so mad he's telling everybody. But he's being really loosey-goosey about it the whole book. He really is. Like, bizarrely so. And that is another thing that feels a little fan-fiction-y to me, because he's like, I truly cannot tell anyone other than my own mother and grandfather, and that's it. And then in this book, he's like, well... I'm tired of hiding it. Let me tell these strangers that I just met for the first time. Anyway. Yeah. Now we can talk about the Delians. So, Katza accidentally falls through the mountains, trying to find a tunnel to Estill, and she makes her way to the Dells, and then meets Fire, and then brings Fire back, and Bitterblue immediately, like, endears herself to the entire Delian, like, group, because Fire is like, can I talk to you in your mind? I don't speak your language. And Bitterblue was like, we literally were just taken hostage 
by a man who could alter minds for, for 35 like 35 years. years. No, you can't talk in my fucking head. And then while she's like freaking out because her worldview is on its side, she like goes and like sits by herself in the library because she's kind of like freaking out and a little bit sad and mm-hmm. fire comes to talk to her and is like, you like really endeared yourself to us by doing that. You are going to need to be a strong leader in these coming years. And we want you to know that like this first impression was basically the best job you ever could have done. Here, let me see if I can find when they talk in the library. Well, what's weird about it is she is talking about how um Bitter Blue is like, am I really like a good queen like I don't feel like it and Fire was like well let me tell you and look into your mind and I will let you know and then she's like yes you are a good queen because you're like the castle and I was like what is all this imagery with Bitter Blue, Bitter Blue being like the castle like that there's like a statue of her turning from a castle into a girl and then Fire is like yes you are like the castle in this way and I'm like how I understand that Christian is, like, explaining to me how Bitter Blue is like the castle, and yet I still feel like that is unclear and a little bit of a stretch. But maybe if you read it out loud to me, I will understand. (laughs) So, Fire Fire comes and talks to her, and... Um, knowing suddenly that this was why Fire had mesmerized Bitter Blue from that first moment, because the love she felt when she looked into Fire's face was the love she had known once for her mother, and this wasn't right. Her mother had deserved that love, and her mother had suffered and fought and died because of it. This woman had done nothing but walk into a courtyard. You have drugged me with a false feeling of you, Bitter Blue whispered. That is your power. A voice came to her inside her head. It was not words, but she understood it perfectly. Your feelings are real, it said, but they're not for me. Bitterblue said, I feel them for you. Look closer, Bitterblue. You love fiercely and you carry a queen's share of sadness. When I'm near, my presence overwhelms you with all that you feel, but I'm only the music, Bitterblue, or the hanging, or the statue. I make your feelings swell, but it's not me you fear them for. If you wanted to, Bitterblue whispered, you could go into my mind and see all that's in there and steal it and change it to whatever you like, couldn't you? Yes, said Fire, though it would not be easy with you, for you're strong. You don't know it, but your unfriendly reception quite endeared you to us, Bitterblue. We hoped you would be strong. And then here is where Bailey is talking about. Fire took her mind so that it was as if she were in her own bedroom, raw and crying with grief. This doesn't feel strong, Bitterblue said. Wait, said Fire, still kneeling beside her in the library. Be patient. She was in her bedroom, raw and crying with grief. She was frightened and certain that she was incapable of the task ahead. She was ashamed of her mistakes. She was small and tired of being left, furious with the people who left and left and left. Heart sore on account of a man on a bridge who betrayed her and then left, and a boy on a bridge who she knew somehow would be the next one to leave her. Then something began to change in the room. None of the feelings changed, but Bitter Blue encompassed them somehow. She was larger than the feelings. She held the feelings in an embrace and murmured kindnesses to them and comforted them. She was the room. The room was alive. The gold of the walls glowed with life. The scarlet and gold stars of the ceiling were real. She was bigger than the room. She was the corridor and the sitting room and Helda's rooms. Helda was there, tired and worried and feeling some arthritis in her knitting hands, and Bitter Blue embraced her. Bitter Blue comforted her, too, and eased the pain in her hands. 
So this goes on for a couple more paragraphs. And she, at the end, says, She was the grounds, the walls, and the bridges where Sapphire hid, where Thiel had broken her heart. She saw herself, tiny, fallen, crying and broken on the bridge. She could feel every person in the castle, every person in the city. She could hold every one of them in her arms, comfort everyone. She was enormous and electric for feeling and wise. She reached down to the tiny person on the bridge and embraced that girl's broken heart. I think that Fire is trying to show her that she, one, is capable of leading the kingdom and leading them to that sense of healing. And I think that she is also showing Bitter Blue that, like, like feeling small and sad and scared on the bridge for the death of feel is strength. Mm -hmm. And I think that Bitter Blue maybe hadn't understood it as weakness, but she had certainly mostly understood it as sadness. Mm -hmm. Like, the idea of people are always leaving, 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 like, that is all that Bitter Blue has known. And she is, like, finally, she is kind of found familying herself with Katza and Poe. And, like, Poe is her cousin. Mm-hmm. And she does have family. But she is lacking a steady group of people who love and care for her and advise her in a way that, like, I don't think we could understand the type of isolation that she's experiencing. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I feel like we've really been doing serious ones lately. I'm kind of excited to read Fifty Shades, like, <laughs> next month. Ba- the way that Lydia was already texting me about it was that, like, every third sentence is, like, and she thought to herself, X, Y, Z, 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 while she was thinking. <laughs> like, 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 it's literally, she, she is giving stage directions like it's a, like it's a script the whole book damn i have not read anything except the first page so far because i know that i'm gonna read it in like an hour Mm -hmm. and a half and so like i mean it'll be a little more than that but like i i do not need to read that book right now (laughs) like i i can wait a minute um old fire yeah can we talk about how fire is old She's, like, 70. Yeah. Which, I don't know if that timeline really makes sense, because... Then how the hell old would Lech be? Well, I guess he was 13 when... She was 18. She was 18. And then 35 years passed to Graceling. So, 18 plus 35 is 53, and 9 years have passed now. So, she's 62. Fire is. Okay. So Lech would have been like forty five fifty when he died. I gotta tell you, my new job, I work with a lot of engineers. I don't know fucking shit, dude. <laughs> you were just going through that math and I was like I was the woman in that meme with all of the symbols <laughs> going around her. Cause that was not I'm still thinking about Barney's four one eighth <laughs> Um, so trying to figure that one out. I hate the passage of time because sure. I, I don't really want to reckon with the mortality of characters that I like 
love in their youth. Mm-hmm. And I like, I I understand that, like, I am only meeting these characters at a point in time, and I guess it makes me sad. Like, I'm I am I am happy that Fire and the rest of the people that like we came to love and care about in the second book have like lived long and happy lives. Mm-hmm. But also, I do not like I. I reckon with mortality all the time. I do not need to reckon with mortality in a book series. In this book in series. In a series. Like, I'm fine with reckoning with mortality in, like, we're in the middle of a war and someone was shot, but, like, they end up living. Like, I can, I can do that. Uh-huh. But, like, I don't... The mortality of aging? Yeah. No thanks. No thanks! Why? Especially with fire, like, why can't she be, like, fucking Edward Cullen-looking ass, like, she's a monster, so she's young forever? That would actually upset me a lot, specifically, because I love her and Brigand together. Oh. I forgot about Brigand. Which is crazy, because I loved him. <laughs> it- I think that it should tell people how good these books are, that Bailey, my friend who, like, self-proclaimed, is always, like, this book isn't gay enough, like, I don't want to read it has really, like, read these books where, like, the first three books are, like, fairly straight. The main relationships are very straight. Although, Fire, bisexual queen, yes. Um, and lots of people are lots of different things in Bitter Blue. But, like, the main characters all end up in, like, very heteronormative relationships. And let me tell you a little bit more about the gay characters in Bitter Blue. Because Kristen really said this book can be gay, I'll allow it. This just this one time. Um yes, I will say I have turned over a new leaf. I will read books where people are straight. Against my own will. But <laughs> I will end up liking them. Here are the people that are gay. Saf is bi, good for him, which that was a little I could not it was unclear. It was unclear. It is not unclear in Winterkeep. Okay. Saf and Sky are boning. Stop! Spoilers! Oh, you find that out in, like, chapter two. Speaking of Sky, he is gay. This is Poe's brother. Speaking of people's siblings, Teddy and Saf's sisters, do I remember their names? No, because they are barely mentioned very much and have, like, a conversation. But they are lesbians, and they want Teddy to have a baby for them. <laughs> they want, they, Teddy's sister wants Teddy to fuck her girlfriend. Yeah. So that they can have a baby. And Teddy's like, ah, I'll think about it. <laughs> um, Raffin and Van, as I presumed in Graceling book one, they are in fact gay. Um, I will say it's not we've been very new. subtle we've in been Graceling. No. Um, and this is my own personal wish: is I think that Gideon has a crush on Poe. Just saying. Mm. He really does. Like he's like, I would like to spend a lot of time with this man, and also when he lied to me, I punched him in the face just like Katza did. I am connecting the dots. You are you are connecting dots. I'm connecting so many dots. Yeah. That are far away from one another. I will say I think that Kristen does a good job. I'm interested to see if 
maybe with Sea Sparrow, she finally like hops over that line and has she can a just, gay main like, character. The main one can be gay. Because yeah. I I I will say it does not feel like tokenism. No. It just kind of feels like these are people's lives. Some of the Goodreads comments were like, this is, um, Dumbledore was gay the whole time. Ing. Well, except she actually wrote it into the book, so people need to chill the fuck out. Yeah, and it was, I think, not that way, so. I have one last thing I would like to say, and this will be our precursor into... CompCon for next week mm-hmm. is that something that I love about these books is it all of her characters including the people who we hear from in Winterkeep which are Gidden and Bitterblue and a new character named Lavisa all of the women who are the main characters in these books inspire loyalty simply by trying to be good mm-hmm by wanting to do the right ethical thing, by wanting to do good by the people that they are trying to protect. And I think that that is a really solid way to build your heroines in your book. Mm-hmm. Because they do not inspire loyalty by being brawny or by being the smartest person in the room or by, like, being spectacularly brave Mm -hmm. like all of them are just trying to be good Mm -hmm. and that i think is like a very special way to build your books and we will talk more about that next week true there will be much to discuss next week as we keep accidentally doing com con anyway (laughs) i but it's because the characters are I think it's actually really difficult to do CompCon for a series, mm-hmm. um, which is why they need to make this into an anime so that we can Yo. so we can watch the anime and do that, that for CompCon. <laughs> All they need to do is produce a whole show in the next week. Easy. Easy. People Put it in ChatGBT. Oh, you're right. And it would be perfect. Okay. Any whomst. This has been All My Friends Are English Majors. Follow us on English Majors Pod at, on Instagram. Send us an email at EnglishMajorsPod at gmail.com. And we will be back next Wednesday with Comparison Contrast. Bye. Bye.